Here we go. It is the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. Next time you're down at the banks, you know the deal. Stop by, visit our good friends at the Holy Grail. Uh, it's going to be chaos this weekend with uh, with SantaCon. But uh, next weekend, the Bearcats take on Dayton downtown and uh, make it your pregame spot. Get to the Holy Grail, and they will get you taken care of. Great food, lots of drinks, including 50 cents, an additional, on top of what already gets donated to Cincy Reigns, an additional 50 cents from every Cincy Light sold at the Holy Grail will go directly into Cincy Reigns. All right, let's get to this. Hi, David. Hello. How are you? How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm great. Thank you for asking. It's uh, it was a pretty, pretty big day for the Bearcats uh, in the transfer portal, was it not, good sir? I, I think it was a, a very strong day. Uh, when you get a get a quarterback transfer, which at this stage in the portal window, it's pretty, you know, clear and obvious that uh, Brendan Soresby was their top target because you wouldn't be taking a, trans- a commitment on Wednesday of Portal Week if that wasn't the case. I would right. Assume. Well, let, let's let's uh, before we get directly into right, right, uh, Soresby, let's go ahead and uh, talk about our good friends. At Team Ticker, we're talking portal. It's portal season. Portal season brought to you by our good friends at Team Ticker. You see it right there. All the good uh, information you need on the Bearcats. You can find it on your Team Ticker. Put it in your man cave. Put it in your dorm room. They are up in all of the suites. Aaron's got the Bearcat. I've got the Seapaw. Uh, they're on all of the in all the suites uh, at Fifth Third Arena. They are uh, an excellent way to keep up with the Bearcats, and they look great uh, as well. Right now, Christmas sale, $50 off using the promo code HOLIDAY, all caps, HOLIDAY. When you go to checkout at teamticker.com, that'll save you 50 bucks, and uh, your Bearcat fan will love it uh, when they've got that thing on Christmas morning, and they open it up. Uh, so if we're talking portal, let, let, let's get into Brendan Soresby. Uh, I think here's here's the telling thing, Dave. The portal opened on December 4th. Guess who was on campus on December 4th? Brendan uh, Soresby. December 4th, December 5th, something like that, yeah. Yeah, he was here until this morning. Monday, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he took the full, which in the, in the portal era, you don't see a lot of full 48-hour visits. Probably not, um, no. You, but um, usually, like it's like a come in, like stay, day, night, stay overnight, and then, then wake do up, something. have breakfast, do the tour, meet Quarter, everybody. Quarterbacks might be a little different, but sure. But um, I think there was clearly on both sides like uh, uh, momentum to get this thing done on this visit, if at all possible. What's that tell you? It tells you he was their number one quarterback target. Like that—that's—that's that's not that hard to figure out. 
And yeah. he clearly was their number one quarterback target. And I think it says a lot about the, the recruiting staff and their ability to say, all right, we're going to go get our guy. And they went and got their guy. And I think that's a really good start to portal season for the Bearcats. Well, I think, too, the quarterback position in the portal, there are, yes, there are a lot out there. But, you know, it's – you better be, from the team standpoint and the player standpoint, like you want to try to wrap this up quick. Yeah. Because you'll get leapfrogged. If, if you're the team, if the player, you know, if you do all your due diligence and you meet and you and it just they're just not ready to commit, well then your second, third, fourth guys might have already set up visits to places, and you might not even get a chance to bring them in because the other team that they are talking to does what UC just did. And if you're the player and it doesn't work out. It's kind of the same thing. The other places that might have told you they were interested on Monday, when you told them you're going to visit UC, they went, okay, well, now we're going to try to bring in whoever is next on our list, and they might wrap that up while you're visiting UC. So you both sides need, you know, it's imperative that both sides kind of hone in on their top guy and and you know the player hones in on the school that he thinks best fits him and you try to you know make it work because you could both be kind of left in the lurch it now if you're an elite quarterback you know a dylan gabriel the rumors are he's going to go to oregon or whatever i'm pretty sure he could probably play this game out a little bit longer but those guys are few and far between and i was actually it's funny i was looking at the 2023, and we'll get into this later just to probably talk about transfer portal in general. But looking at like the 24-7, 2023 top 25 transfer quarterbacks. I mean, not great, Bob. No. And and so you kind of get into the do you want the one the 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 one-year rental? Do you want someone that you can build with? I think in UC's current state. The someone you can build with is the right plan of attack. You're not a quarterback away from like challenging for the Big 12 championship. Right. So find someone that fits your system, find someone that has shown ability at the high major level, but that you can still develop and that still has development left in them. That was, that was, it wasn't. I want to. I don't want to use it as like a a negative, but like that was always the thing with Henry Jones. Was like he comes in. I kind of knew exactly what he was, and he kind of played to exactly what it was. What's the saying? What's the back of your baseball card? Is the whole cliche? Like I've seen you play for five years. I kind of know who you are. You don't see a lot of dudes that have played for five years and then all of a sudden do something that they to the positive that they had never shown themselves to do right and it's also like i've gotten a lot of today like he had the same completion percentage as emory jones well that was a career completion percentage for emory jones and a five six game the first five six games of his career in a terrible like let's also be clear that was a terrible offense 
Yeah. Just dreadful offense. The offensive line was terrible. What were they? I think they were 104th in rushing. Um, Just a bad, bad, bad offense. Yeah. I mean, so he, for him to put up the numbers he did, I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah. My, my thing is, is like you're – you're coming in. He played in one game last year, QB battle, for the most part of this season or this summer. They they gave the starting job to Taven or Tavian Jackson. Um, that didn't work out. Who, by the way, was a transfer from Tennessee. So he plays the last six or seven games, whatever it was. And so you fire your offensive coordinator in the middle of that, and you're basically playing your first real games with a new offensive coordinator on an offense that can't run the ball. So I don't think that's not really great for a first time quarterback and can't and can't block. Yeah. I mean, he was sacked like 16 times in those, I guess six starts or whatever. Here's, here's what jumps out at me, Dave. He played six games. Emory Jones played 12. Emory Jones had 18 touchdown passes in 12 games. Brendan Swordsby had 15 and six. I like that ratio, but like I know which ratio I like better. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think he's just he seems to be in in the limited amount that I've been able to watch so far. Like he is what I had been talking about in wanting. Much more of a passer that has the ability to get himself out of trouble. You can design a few things for him. I saw they did some some kind of read option keeper stuff. But he's I mean he's not his but, bread and butter is not gonna be uh running the football. I mean he had almost five, I think almost five hundred yards non sack adjusted. Yeah. Four hundred yards, five hundred yards non sack adjusted. Um, in six games. But he, yeah, I think he rushed rushed for two hundred and something yards. I know, um, but but that was in six games, right? Now, what I would say, Dave, I think you would agree. Like when he's running the read option, when he keeps it, it's to keep you honest. Like you're not dialing him up 10, 12 right. times a game because he the sees the defense is out of position, right. or they see that the edges are just crashing down because they don't think he's going to keep the ball. Yeah. You're not, we're not quarterback drawing and, and doing stuff um, like that. So yeah, I mean, my whole point was, can he get himself out of trouble? Can he run if he has to, but is, is the, is the quarterback much more of a thrower than even what I would call, call dual threat? Like I'm, you know, the stuff he did over the middle of the field, that was like a, a, a virtual wasteland for UC this year. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff on tape is him placing balls middle of the field, over linebacker, before safety. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, what I would call NFL-style routes, throws. So, you know, it's get him in here and get, you know, get – acclimated to the system now they got to go out and get some more weapons um you know because they're they're gonna they need some more wide receivers they need to get better at that position you you know if you're going to bring in a new quarterback that's you got to support him so i want to get to that in a second 
Uh, one thing that did jump out at me, Dave, that I haven't seen anybody mention yet in terms of him as a runner. He was recruited by Army and Navy to play quarterback. Yeah. Like, <laughs> obviously, somebody that knows a thing or two about quarterbacks like and, and running quarterbacks felt that he was uh, a guy that could run the ball. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is just another, like, side note on the there because there's people that look at him 63 230 like well is he going to be able to do the the rushing part of the offense i wouldn't sweat that too much he just i, I think he will you know, be. in you know and i i obviously i cannot speak for how uh sat wants to design and run his offenses but for me like the the quarterback just needs to be a an additive element in the run game. It doesn't need to be like your second leading rusher. Uh, it just, it you just can't have a stiff back there who just can't right. move. And is literally just a Joe Flacco type, you know, stationary, big arm pocket passer. Like that, that doesn't work. Offensive line. I mean, offensive line play in the NFL stinks. You think it's going to be good? Like across 130 something teams right. in college, like, you got to be able to get yourself out of trouble, but you also got to be able to get yourself out of trouble while also keeping your eyes down the field. And there was one clip I saw, I want to say it was against either Illinois or Maryland, where he kind of climbed in the pocket and easily could have taken off, but kind of kept his eyes up and was able to to complete a, a decent, you know, air yard, 20 yard pass or so um, down the field because of that. So like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, can yeah. you maneuver? Can you get yourself out of trouble? Can you pick, you know, if it's a total bust, can you pick up three or four yards just to get you into second and seven, second and six, you know, versus a sack or, you know, no gain? Like, I don't need you to break it for a 40-yard gain necessarily. I mean, right. sure, if you can, that's amazing and great. But that is that is not what I, I think they are looking for or what they need. Yeah, just the guy like in that situation, the guy that can keep you from getting way behind the chains. As a, you know, it doesn't have to be fifty yards. It, it it can be a four yard gain that is actually ten yards because he was going to get sacked for a loss of six. Um, mm-hmm. the the wide receiver stuff is interesting, Dave, because we haven't heard anything yet, but I kind of feel like that's a good thing. When it comes to Xavier Henderson, if Xavier Henderson is back and you have Aaron Turner and Barry Jackson in the slot and Evan Prater as one of your rotation guys on the outside, on the, you know, opposite Xavier Henderson, if you go get one more, like if you go get one starting receiver, I feel like your wide receiver, like that, 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 that they need more depth there, obviously. Yeah, they're they going to guys to develop. Sure they're gonna try to go out and get more than just because. Two of the guys, know, but I'm talking in, about top of yeah, the roster. Two of the guys they got coming in that are freshmen are also slots. So, yeah, I mean, f- for sure. And I and I think too, we have not. I don't. Other than, well, we've seen a couple. We've seen Robert Lewis from Georgia State. Um, that's that's publicly said he has an offer, and then it looks like he's visiting next weekend. We've seen, uh, and, and he's the guy that Step was the lead recruiter on, yeah, uh, at Georgia State. 
Um, and visiting then Auburn, we, visiting Auburn yeah. this weekend. Yeah. We've seen a couple others. What Keyshawn Williams from Wake Forest, um, the kid from North Texas. I believe he. But my point being is, this is how the portal works. Some of these guys will put every offer they get out. Some of them won't put anything. Some of them won't even announce they committed, like Xavier Henderson. Right. And <laughs> some of them will have the coaching staff tell them to not put anything out. Right. And because notice, notice Brendan Sorsby was very quiet. He was very well, I mean, just saying, like, we obviously know they're looking at running backs. They have, I think, what, two currently on the roster? Uh Corey Kiner and Manny Covey. Yeah, I think that might be about it. So they're obviously looking at them. They're they're talking to them. I've not found any of them that have publicly said that they have been offered. Um, so, you know, it's just the way it works in, in the portal era. You, um, you know, you got to do a little bit more digging to find out what's real and what's not. Apparently, I, apparently there was a defensive end or edge player from Auburn tonight right as we were getting on here that tweeted out he was offered when apparently he was not. <laughs> I was told, I was, Keegan told me that. So I, I took that tweet down. <laughs> you got to love when that happens. I know it's not the first time it's happened. That's for sure. Um, um got, but no, it's, uh, yeah, Matt brings up, um, Donovan McCauley. I think he's going to end up, uh, you know, I won't say out of UC's price range, but uh, he's Michigan, Penn State have offered. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I know there's a connection, obviously, with the quarterback. I would love to see them be interested in Jalen uh, Lucas, who is a undersized but extremely fast running back slash kick returner that I think would complement Corey very well. Um Keegan's put a couple new name, running back names up on the board to check those out. And I've also been told that there will be an article tomorrow, but it is VIP only. So make sure you uh, you are subscribed. Is our 60% off thing still running? Till midnight. Till midnight. Well, there you go. Until midnight. Get the, get the deal. Then you get Keegan's fresh article uh, tomorrow morning or whenever he posts it, I guess. I shouldn't, shouldn't say tomorrow morning. I do not know. Yeah, uh, at some point in time, it'll be posted. Yeah. But, I mean, I think you get um, the quarterback taken care of. That's priority A, B, and C. Like, we know that the DBs need a lot of help, and there's a lot of DBs in the portal. There's only so many quarterbacks that fit, okay, we want a younger guy. Okay, we want this type of passer. We want he fits this type of offense. Like, there's only so many guys that fit into that. So I think it's crucial to take care of that first. And now it, you know, it opens you up to wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. You can sell the quarterback, you can sell, you know, all those things. And then you can at the same time work on your, on your defense needs as well. Here's what's I think important to me, Dave. This time last year, Satterfield had just retired. Uh, guys were leaving you were looking at the offense and going, they have to get a whole new offense, like a, an entirely new offense. They're going to have to get an entirely new offense. Mm -hmm. Now, December 6th, 
You know your starting offensive line is coming back. You know your top running back is returning. There is a chance that your number one wide receiver is returning. Your number two and number three slot guys are returning. Your number two uh, field receiver is returning. Um, you probably need a little help at tight end, but you still have Joey Belgian and Peyton Singletary there and two guys, two freshmen coming in. At this point, it's okay, I think, to feel decent about the offense. Does that mean they're done? No. But it means that there are a lot more answers than there are questions as we sit here December 6th. Yeah, you you at least have an idea of, like, this is what we have and this is what we need to go get. Like, I still think they need more big playability yeah, yeah, yeah. at wide receiver and running back. But you, But you at least know that now. Like, you are specifically, like, Keegan put up a name of a running back that, you know, had 29 explosive runs this year per pro football focus. Um, I mentioned Jalen Lucas. Like, the, there's receivers out there that are more, that you know, are more of the game-breaker type. Um, but, yeah, you have, you know, I, st- I still think that, you know, I think there needs to be an effort to find at least one tackle and have some competition there. Um, bringing all five back is is good, but as we've talked about before, experience doesn't necessarily mean better. Sure. And, I, and I don't think anyone can really argue that the tackles need to be better, whether that's John Williams and DeAndre Buford or somebody else, they need to be better. Right. So Philip Wilder, Ethan Green... Yeah, transfer. And it's they hard. Need to be and, better. And again, finding tackles is is very hard. Yeah. And the tackle sees, oh, they got all five guys coming back. Like, how realistic of a shot do I have to unseat someone? So, like, finding some of these top flight tackles where they're picking the school because they are legitimately like, here's an opening, and you're sliding right in there. Yeah, we don't have a starting left tackle, and you are it. And you might, you know, one might argue that neither does you see, but. But technically they do. Right. They had two guys start a tackle all year yes, and they're coming exactly. in. So, you know, in my, in my mind, they're maybe looking for someone that is. Developmental potentially. Not even, not, maybe, but more even like has starting experience can challenge one of these guys, whether it's left or right. And then. If they don't beat him out, then you've got a, a solid number two. Because I mean, right now, Chad, who the, who are the number twos? Even. I mean, right now you would think Philip Wilder and, and, and Green. Green. One of yeah. them has never played. One played One about half half this year. No, I wouldn't yeah. even say half. I mean, I get. I would guess snap count. DeAndre Buford still had thirty percent, maybe significantly yeah. more snaps. So yeah. So you know, I still think they could address that, but it's a hard position to address. And, so we'll you know we'll just see how that goes. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed if you see a guy that maybe somebody has a connection to from high school that got buried on a depth chart somewhere that has like the requisite size. Right. It's like, you know, a, a big 10 tackle that was six, seven, three, ten, and and didn't see the field somewhere and is has three years of eligibility remaining. These are hypotheticals, these are not hints. No, calm down, everybody. Uh, hypothetically, like if you see something like that, 
I wouldn't mind taking a gamble on something like that. But you're right. It's going to be hard to just sell a guy on, uh, hey, come in here and, and compete for a starting job because there's a whole bunch of places that are looking for quarterbacks uh, that, that don't need much competition uh, when it comes to winning a starting job. Yeah, I mean, there's a, I know there's a guy with Spencer Brown, Michigan State. From all sounds of it, like their fans are not disappointed that he's leaving. And I think he committed to Oklahoma today because he's just going to slide right into some tackle spot. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see offensively, defensively. There hasn't been... And there's been names, there's been stuff that we've posted, visits are happening, um, but nothing major yet. As you can expect, or as you could expect, a lot of secondary guys, um, you know, corners and safeties. Look, I don't care what anybody says. Tuning in Clark Griswold style from the roof is like, Nick, <laughs> Nick. Don't hurt not, yourself. We will not be liable in any lawsuits. If you're you, on a ladder, you can watch the replay. Like I better I not get a, I better not get a call from Blake Maislin. Four, 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 <laughs> four, four, four. Uh, good evening, Adele. Um, uh, what's up with the IU receiver Donovan McCauley? I I don't sense. I know there's there was some talk of him uh, being a quote-unquote package deal. Uh, Keegan was immediately reprimanded for that phrase because I hate it. I mean, they don't my, ever exist. In my expert uh, digging, I have not seen any connection between him and UC. Right. It, it now, doesn't, it doesn't feel mean like, that it's not happening, right. but – because believe me, these coaches are. Well, here's the thing. Guess what you're also working with at this time, like now, Dave. You're working with a budget. Like you, you kind of, you kind of have an idea of how much how much nil money you have to work with. Yeah. I don't think number one wide receiver is at the top of the priority list. No. Mainly because I think edge rusher and defensive backs. Now that you have quarterback answered. Edge rusher, defensive backs. Yeah, like a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Adele, we wish that Ryan had another year too. <laughs> that would make that would make all of this much easier right now if Ryan had another year. Um, but yeah, uh, what what have you seen uh, as they look around? Uh, if there's visits, we'll leave that stuff all on the board. But in terms of the, the social media uh, public chatter, what have you seen in terms of DBs and edge rushers that have caught your eye? Uh, let's see. DBs, I'm looking at like, uh, how, what's your production been? Whether it's been interceptions, tackles, stuff like that. And if you don't have... A bunch of production is it why why is it have you been are you in a, a very high level school that's had really good players at your position and 
if you don't have the production yet, say you're a younger guy, you don't have the production yet, I'm looking at what what are your measurables? What is what is your athletic or what are your athletic traits? Because they, they, you know, obviously I'd love to get guys that have production and great athletic traits. Um, but if you're young and you haven't really gotten on the field yet, but you kind of check all those boxes, I'm intrigued. And then if you've either intercepted the ball a lot or shown that you are around the ball a lot, then I'm also intrigued. And I, I think they are, they're in on, uh, in on some of those guys. Um, and then for the edges, what, what Dave doesn't want is corners with a lot of tackles. Yeah. I don't really need to see cor- safeties. Get, <laughs> safeties right. get too many tackles in college football for some reason. Like, you know, threats well, a lot and, of them play in the box. Like it's threats and their box were our leading tacklers last year. Like I know they're recruiting a kid that from ball state, it's like, you know, 155 tackles in two years. There's another guy that I can't keep him all straight at this point. Had like 230 tackles in three years. Um, so that's that's what I'm I'm looking at. And then on the edge, I think the the kid I want to say Pius John Pius from William and Mary. He might be the current player that I want them to get the most. Okay. Um, 40 and a half tackles for loss, 24 and a half sacks in his career. Uh, Jim Nagy, our senior bowl buddy was, was at one of his games earlier this year scouting. And if you can get Jim Nagy to come to your game at William and Mary, and you're on the senior bowl watch list, uh, then I'm very, very interested. Makes sense. I know you're like, we all know you're a big Jim Nagy guy. Well, I mean, if if you're at William and Mary, and you're I'm not first, saying it's wrong. First team FCS All American, and you're, you know, on their list of guys that if they, if you enter the draft, they're going to invite you to the Senior Bowl, which they certainly would have. I mean, the guy had a very good year again this year, so him coming back and and entering the portal, uh, yeah, he's a draftable player right now. If you're going to the Senior Bowl. So I would I would certainly be interested in them adding him at like kind of, I think kind of like an outside linebacker stand up edge player. Yes. Um, then, I'm, then I'm looking at some of these other edges that are, you know, I think the one kid from um, Eastern Michigan is visiting this week. There's a a guy they offered from Purdue that's grabbing offers left and right and these guys are much more in your like 65 250 to 260 range which is i think what they needed they need more size but not the bulk size like the longer um i don't even know if i would say these guys are like twitchier so to speak but you know they need the the bigger the bigger power players i think Bendy. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Bendy. Flexible. Off the edge. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to rush in various ways. So, 
you know, getting getting all sorts of these guys. But I mean, they need edges. They need. They, I didn't think they necessarily needed linebacker as much as they think they need linebacker. So because they're they're offering several and interested in others. So maybe it's in more of a rush standpoint than than the two, you know, kind of the two that they've that they typically played last year. Yeah. Um that I do also think like they're you're gonna need to start restocking the middle as well. Oh yeah. Um I don't know if you know if that is something you look for young guys in the portal. Like I don't think there's gonna be a lot of those guys. Big space eating uh power defensive linemen also are something that you don't see a lot of often in the transfer portal. Oh, Walter Nolan from Texas A&M's in the transfer portal. I'm sure they yeah, could get him. Probably go get him for like 15, 20 bucks in NIL money. Well, he'll probably go to Tennessee, so don't we don't have to worry about it. That's where he should have gone in the first place. But that's for another conversation. Texas A&M, rough day in the portal today, let's just say the least. <laughs> right. Um. That that number one class in 2022 is uh is not holding up well <laughs> no, no it's not um but i have noticed too with with i mean there there obviously are a good number of the the one-year guys but it does feel like you know we are we are looking at a lot of the two and three year players and i wonder I just I wonder if that becomes more of an interest to schools outside of the quarterback position or the schools that are like right there. They think they're right there for a put you know, next year in the expanded playoff. Right there in, in the playoff uh, position where they like, yeah, we just need a couple guys and we need them to be older and slide them right in and and we're good. Um, right, I, you know, I don't know. It's it'll be interesting to keep tracking like how the whole portal thing works because so many schools say they don't want to be portal programs, but if all these guys, I mean, there's over a thousand kids. So yeah, that was day one. That like was it's just almost, day one. It's almost impossible to be like, yeah, you know, we're not. You know, you're you're gonna have. It seems like at a minimum, any like ten guys leave for, and it doesn't have to be for bad reasons. Like they just be like, coach, like I'm not playing. I want to go play. Like right. I love you. I love being here. But you, you know, we kick ass. But you've done a great job recruiting, and and I just want to go play somewhere. Um, but it it just seems like you know the Dabos who don't want to have anything to do with the portal. I think that's a losing proposition to to have that attitude, but you know it's going to be interesting. Some of these schools like Colorado, Houston now with with a new coach, um, because Dana did not set him up very well to not be a portal program, right? Um, so it, it'll be interesting to watch how this goes. It'll be interesting to watch how the quarterback thing plays itself out. 
you got a lot of town, I guess, town to guys out there still. Um, some of the rumors out there are hilarious in my mind, like million, two million dollars for Cam Ward. Like, okay, Cam Ward, pretty good player, but I don't know if I'm. I didn't see one to two million dollars worth of talent <laughs> at Washington State. Now, maybe well, but that also just tells you how much of a premium quarterback is. Like, I know teams obviously see the value in it. That's why they're doing it. Yeah, like they 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 know. Here's what here's what is is a known, Dave. Can't be bad at quarterback. No, it's tough to it's tough to win football games if you're bad at quarterback. <laughs> you have to be good at that position. Like you don't necessarily, you don't have to be great at that position, but you have to be above average. You have to be above the fold. You you yeah. have to be good at quarterback. And then your other things like it doesn't matter if you have a good defense and a good run game, but if your quarterback can't lead you down the field in the fourth quarter, especially in a power conference, your quarterback can't lead you down the field in the fourth quarter and get you a touchdown, you're in trouble. That's the other thing I wanted to, to get to, Dave. In, uh, in, in Soresby's last three games at IU, they had 10 trips to the red zone. You know how many touchdowns they scored? Uh, eight. Ten. Ten. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. When you, given the problems that this team had this year, I will take a quarterback that is above average in the red zone. Well, and I mean, it's not it's not all on him for sure. I know but... It's not all on him. I'm not saying it's all on him, but but it's better than taking a guy that you know was in the red zone ten times in his final three games and scored four touchdowns. Oh, and get yeah. six field goals or five field goals or whatever. Like that is an indication, at least, that when you get into those situations, you should have a guy. That can help you deliver. Not necessarily be the only guy that delivers, but at least help you deliver. Yeah, no doubt about that. Unless you're Iowa. Yeah. The the best bad team in the history of college football. Well, my uh I bet my bet cash Did you bet on, the under. I bet under first half two and a half points. Oh wow. I, you didn't take it at point five? It was it wasn't available at at that, okay. so, I mean, I mean, I'm sure I could have it like an alternate spread or something, but um, I'm just mad I didn't do more. <laughs> my best friend's my best friend's wife is a Michigan fan, and they went uh, Saturday to the Big Ten championship game, and I was telling her about that. Like, she ended up going. She went with Kelsey Saturday to the uh, to the men's game, the Gulf Coast game. Uh, so I was talking to her Saturday as they were driving up to Indy. And I was like, you should tell Al to bet the under. And she was like, what's the under? And I was like, last I saw it, it was at 0.5. And she's like, 0.5. Like, the bet is that they won't score in the first half? And I was like, like, well, I wouldn't. Better than 50%. Because, like, what's the, what is the point of having a 0.5? You can't get one point. Sure. I guess 1.5. Even if you block an extra point, it's worth two. Right. Like, I guess that's probably why they changed it to, Two and a half. I mean, I guess 1.5 you could have because they could get a safety, which they've gotten plenty of in their in right. their day. But um, but yeah, I was I was sweating it though. Michigan's in the first half, Michigan's punter shanked one. Yep. 
And then they started at like the 40 yard line. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to be in field goal range in like one possession, in like one first, if they get one first down. And then I forget what happened. Did they turn it over or something happened? And, and I was very happy. But <laughs> didn't they throw an interception like right, like right yeah, after uh, the shake? Yeah, it might, might have been like, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, but no, it's, it, you know, I do love I do love portal season. You're I, I'm I'm digging on the on the Twitter and always trying to find connections and and things. I'm telling you, I think it's your new draft. Like, well, at least mm-hmm. here's the thing: it gives you something to do in December leading up to draft season. Yeah, because in January well, you kind of well a week ago I was looking at you know tankathon.com to see how the Bengals could get a pick in the top ten. And now and they now win, got them in the playoffs. Now they win one game, and they're one game out of the playoffs because the back half of the AFC stinks. And they play and, and, the three teams in front of them. They play in the next three weeks. So it's like you win all three of those games, or next four weeks, you win all those games, and you're just going to make the playoffs. And they all have backup quarterbacks. What, four of their last five four games? The, four of the backups. five, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. The only starter they play is Mahomes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right you got you got anything else in the portal you want to you want to talk about no i think just remind everybody that uh keegan's going to have an article tomorrow that's going to be vip so if you're not a member you can still take advantage of the 60 percent off yearly subscription until the end of tonight and then you can get his uh fresh portal article i don't know what it's going to be about i don't know if it's a hot 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 board or if it's uh <laughs> you know about Brendan i know he's Soresby also or, i know or he's what, supposed so. to be talking to soresby tonight well maybe that's what it is about yeah so um kudos to keegan my boy grinding yeah grinding. he loves it like that's look he's ate I, up he's like does us he? does he he does he, yeah i keep checking on him like bro you don't like if it's if it's overwhelming, like I understand, and he's like, "Oh, this is great! I love this shit." Like, okay, well, he didn't say shit because he doesn't really cuss. <laughs> uh, he did drop an f bomb last night on the nightcap, which uh, blew me and Aaron away. We we're like, "We didn't think you said that word." He doesn't cuss. How did he get hired here? He does cuss, but it's it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's judiciously. It's not as freely as the rest of us. He's Bearcat Journal Scott Satterfield. Gee, golly, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Well, if that's uh, if that's all we got on the portal, uh, let's get to – let's get to our timestamp, which for some reason now, there it is. Oh, I do it's brought wanna, to I you. Do, hold on. I do want to one thing on the portal real quick. Okay. Okay. I did it on purpose because I knew it would mess with people. But on Monday when I put the Let's Go portaling and the Kroger uh, guy dancing, I knew it would make people sing their song in their head all day. Let's go portaling and just annoy the hell out of people. And I got several messages like, why did you do that? Because now that's all I'm thinking about. So And messages that that guy looks exactly like Austin Elmore. That was very funny. He does. <laughs> kind of spooky how much that guy looks like Austin Elmore. He's a, is he Kroji? Uh, 
Timestamp brought to you by Turtles Brew. Zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free, 6% ABV, bourbon-infused sweet tea, cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla, lemonade tea, and strawberry mint. Uh, there's over 100 locations in Ohio. Visit turtlesbrew.com for information and locations. A portion of the proceeds go to Save the Sea Turtles. They are in Toledo and expanding now in uh, Central Ohio, uh, Cleveland, uh, pretty much uh, throughout the state. So get to turtlesbrew.com. They will get you taken care of. Dave, I think, so um, you remember this, right? You remember this, right? Yes, I do. So the the gentleman that works for New Riff that gave it to me said, um, don't worry about saving it. Uh, drink it. I gave it to you to drink. I didn't give it to you to save. And <laughs> if they make Final Four, I will get everybody on the BCJ staff, <laughs> one with the logo, and you all can drink it together. All they got to do is make the Final Four? Like a football or band. Well, that was what we were talking about, right? Like I was going to save it, a oh, special okay, occasion yeah. bottle, and put it like if they made a Final Four or something along yeah. those lines. Um, and he said, no, drink it. So uh, maybe what I'll need to do is see if I can I, – I think I know a spot up in Kenwood at radio tomorrow. I'll try to get some turtles brew. And then if Cincinnati wins the shootout, we're going we're gonna to have this thing on Saturday night. Oh, for a little night, a nightcap, nightcap. A live nightcap, maybe some turtles brew, maybe uh, mixed with a little new riff uh, on top. I will probably do the strawberry or the uh, the lemonade tea. Berg. We'll see. I don't like. I worry about what like what mental state Berg is in during the shootout. I don't know what mental state he will be in after the shootout. If, if they, they win. win I will contact him and see. But then I also worry, what would Berg say on a live broadcast after a win at CentOS? Might be the creamiest episode ever. <laughs> it might be the lost episode that uh, there's one playing of it, and then it gets deleted from existence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Robert says that trash savior team isn't worth a can of steel reserve. Whoa. Um, I, I do want to get to, before we get to the shootout, uh, which we will do here shortly, um, press conference yesterday, Dave, uh, Satterfield, uh, Dante Corleone, Mason Fletcher, Corey Kiner, Gavin Gerhardt, Luke Kandra. Um, when you look at this thing, like, are we looking at, what has kind of been best case since the end of the season. Yeah. You hate to lose Shaman. Yeah. You hate to lose miles Montgomery. Um, I think everybody has kind of gotten an understanding of why they moved on from peace and threats, even though they were both talented power five level contributors. Um, are we at kind of best case uh, in terms of, I don't know what, I don't know what would have, you know, been considered better given the season that they've had and that they are able to trot out what, you know, consists of two guys that have been All-American, uh, you know, honorees, your all-conference guys, 
kind of your foundation. Like I, I think it sends a really good message or a maybe even a, a necessary and needed message that this thing is not fractured, that we still have a lot of buy-in and now we have a core returning that, that also makes it a little tougher going forward, right? Because excuses or reasons uh, are reduced now because you do have, when you look at this roster, uh, enough to build on. I think. Yeah, I do, I do think it was it's a nice bit of of self-reflection and you know, I don't think that, that press conference was on accident. No, of course it wasn't. Uh so Of course not. But it still takes you to you know, see see that from the inside and go, you know, things didn't go the way we hoped. Let's not pretend that that didn't happen. Let's not bury our heads in the sand and think that fans are just going to be okay. At the same time, you know, if you're upset about the season, a press conference after the season's over, probably not going to change a ton of people's minds in the no, same sense. No, of course not. But, I'm not saying it's going to change anybody's mind. No, I'm but saying I still think it was it was a smart thing to do, and it was, um, you know, I will give him credit, Scott Satterfield credit. I was happy with what he said in the off season because it seemed to be forthright and honest and not a bunch of coach BS. And I thought what some things that he said in that press conference were the same, same way. Um, you know, it was interesting talking about, you know, ownership and, you know, player, you know, bringing guys in, letting the players not determine, but have a voice. Um, you know, I think from a strictly football standpoint, you know, I think it would have been great if Miles and Shimon were still here. Um, they're probably, sure. you know, from an, certainly from an offensive standpoint, I mean, Shimon led the team in touchdown receptions. Miles is a solid runner. Um, certainly would have helped. But you know, and I'm not saying that this is the case with either, you know, necessarily the case with either of them or any other transfer, but the the coaching staff knows much more than we know. And you know, when you have a rough first year, you sometimes have to make decisions that you maybe wouldn't have to make if things were going better. And certain things are easier to maybe paper over when there's more success, but you cannot afford to allow a small problem to become a big problem after you have a three and nine season. So sometimes you have to do things that you maybe don't want to do. Yeah. I mean, I, the message had to be clear. Like this wasn't good enough. Like you, you can't. And, and he did a little bit say like, you know, we 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 lost some games we should have won. If we win those games, things look a little bit different. Of course, that's what a coach is going to say. He's defending yeah. uh, the work that they did. But he also followed that up with, we didn't get the job done because we weren't disciplined enough. We weren't, you know, in, in, in coaching speak, tough enough. People think tough enough uh, when coaches say it is about like, like pushing the guy in front of you around. 
when coaches say it, it's about not jumping for a kick that a punt that bounces over your head and grazing it with your fingertips. That in coaching speak is toughness. Having the mental toughness to, to say, don't do it. Don't do it. Bad idea. Don't do it. That kind of stuff is what coaches consider toughness. And UC did not have enough mental fortitude in those games that they could have won. Um, yeah, I think it's important for him to address that and acknowledge that we we needed to be better when the chips were down and we weren't. Well, and you also you always have a postseason sort of wrap up um, media availability. They just did it this week instead of last week, or what you know, or whatever. Yeah, um, uh, give me a break, Chad. Because they didn't. Come on, they didn't have a. They didn't have a media availability the week after the the Kansas game. Right. They so, generally don't. A lot of times they don't. Though they let everybody kind of decompress right. for a week. That's what they did. A coach putting yeah. together that presser reeks of desperation. He's not supposed to to trot out. His two All-Americans, his two captains, and his thousand-yard running back that have all announced their return. Well, if he didn't he say anything, man. if he didn't, if if we didn't hear again, hear from him again until National Signing Day, people would be like, "Well, what, you know, what's he hiding from? He's just hiding. He's he's not he's not even willing to face the music, like you know. So whatever." Right. I mean, that's why I don't take much for press conferences, especially like post game ones. What the what the what do you think these guys are gonna say? You know, yep, right. we lost another one because so and so doesn't know how to get off a damn block, or <laughs> you know, this guy's out with his right. girlfriend until four o'clock, and we've been talking to him about this for three weeks, and he won't stop doing it. Like, what do you think they're gonna say? Like, right. I, I never take anything from very much of anything from these things. There's nothing to be gained from. You, you know, you want him to be ultra-honest. I mean, he was ultra-honest about something earlier in the season, and the fans got mad at him for, for saying for saying what he said about the running backs. So, well, we can't have it both ways. Right. We, we want him to be ultra-honest, but we don't want him to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, and, and when he, you know, has a situation where it, I always crack up. Ask him the tough questions. Ask him the tough questions. He was given a chance to answer, was this season good enough? Answer was no, it's not good enough. We weren't, we weren't good enough uh, at the little things that lead to winning at this level of college football, which again, Dave, we talked about this all season, was something this program uh, did not, adjust too well in year one in the big 12 but that's also not a surprise if you watch the last two seasons in the american where they screwed around and let teams that they should be beating by 30 kind of just you know they'd get up by 14 and and they put it in cruise they give up a touchdown and all of a sudden it's a seven point game with a team an american conference team that's got three wins on the season like, they did way too much of that for two seasons, and it's hard to just flush that. We don't have to play great every week. 
No, you do in this league. You got to be really good every week. And if you're bad, you're going to be fighting tooth and nail no matter who the opponent is. And if you're bad against teams that are pretty good, you're going to get your ass kicked because you can't keep up. Everybody, I, I know, needs, everybody needs to be better. And at this time of year, the way you get better is you add to the roster. You're not getting, you're not going to get better coaching in, in on December 6th. That's, that's for later on. So right, right now, the way they can get better is add impactful pieces to the roster. Sign and, your recruiting class in two weeks. I don't know. Maybe they'll have a couple other high school kids join that class. I don't know. I'm just guessing that maybe they will. Um, but either way, like right now, the way they get better is to get the be- add the best players they can get. And then the coaches can then get better at coaching stuff and, and figuring out, like, we called this way too much. We don't need to call this as much, or we didn't call this enough, or these are our tendencies on third and short that we we didn't realize we were falling into this, and but we were, and we need to break those tendencies more frequently next year. Uh, there's or we're we're going to be in a league for year two where we have a better understanding week to week of what a lot of our opponents want to do, like knowledge that you didn't have going into this season. Yes, there's a lot to it. I, I I just I'm I'm exhausted from a lot of it. Dave is is the one thing about the internet that drives me nuts. The one thing about like sports talk culture, social media culture in in 2023. The people that decided the day that he was hired that he was a bad hire now have to be validated by him being a bad hire. They have no interest in him working out. They want him to fail because they want to be able to say, look how smart I was the day he was hired. Yeah. Well, do I know if Scott Satterfield's going to work? Nope. That seems, counter, that seems counterproductive to being a fan. A well, well, not even a fan, just a well-adjusted human being. Human? <laughs> but that's what it is. Like, you, you've got your take. You've made your take. And by God, Dave, your take is going to be right come hell or high water. <laughs> you know? Oh, well. I've been right and wrong about a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, and I don't remember any of it, really, because it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, we're just trying to see what a program can do to get better. And I think they had a, a day-to-day where they got better. And, you know, we'll see how this whole thing works out. There's, you know... More guys are going to be going into the portal. They're building those relationships. I mean, it's clear that things are going on behind the scenes, but we'll see, you know, what this staff was put together to accomplish. We'll, you know, we'll have our answers here in a couple weeks. Right, because they're going to want to get as much of this done either before Christmas if possible or like that week between Christmas and New Year's because right after that, you're going to be going back to school and – you know, once school starts up, guys are going to need to be enrolled. And it takes a couple days to get accepted to the university and to fill out your scholarship papers and <clears throat> do that whole nine yards. So, you know, between now and Christmas week, the week, you know, the the, the week leading up to Christmas, I, there's there should be a lot of movement. Um, I do think I agree. Like th- this was a step 
in the right direction because, as we mentioned at the beginning of this segment, you now have your starting offensive line. You have your running back. You have your quarterback. You have your anchor on defense. You have your All-American punter who I, I thought it was fascinating to learn. He played with a sports hernia all year. Yeah, that explains a lot. Like, and his, like, tweet about coming back when he talked about you know, battling. Being healthy. Injuries. That's I why like, I asked. That's didn't why even I asked. know you were hurt. Right. That's a that's a that's an Australian rules football guy, right? Play as a punter. I imagine playing all year as a punter with a sports hernia is not pleasant. No, um, I don't think doing anything with a sports hernia would be pre- pleasant. I've had a hernia; they're not fun. It's not is fun. it a sports hernia? Is it like I'm a? Is it a sports hernia just because you play sports? But if if I got it, could I call it a sports hernia? Or could no, I, I think just it's the it location. Hernia? It's the location that it happens <laughs> that makes it a quote unquote sports hernia. Uh, I don't think they're the same as like your regular like you know run of the mill hernia. I don't know. I I, I don't know, but I, I think I think at least there is some belief that things are so far in this offseason pointed in a proper direction. Dave played last season with a podcast hernia. Well, despite its name, a sports hernia is not actually a hernia. Right, it's not. That's, yeah. This condition's true name is an athletic pub publagia? I don't know. It's actually like towards more towards your abdomen than it is towards your uh the, mo- well, the most common type of hernia is the groin hernia. Yeah, that's what yeah. Is when abdominal tissue such as part of the intestine pushes up yeah. against the opening in the abdominal wall. That's what Sport, I hear. Sports hernia is a strain or tear of any soft tissue in the lower abdominal or groin area. So I guess I could have I could have a sports hernia if I tore in that general region. So I should probably not do anything athletic anytime soon so that I, you know, don't run the risk of that happening. When's the last time you did anything athletic? I played basketball with Will tonight. How'd that go? I dominated. We played on like a four foot hoop in the house. Yeah. He's he barely he barely got a shot off. He's four. I know. Well take no prisoners. Did you swat him and like stare him down? Oh yeah, for sure. What did gotta, he say? Gotta, what did What did he say? He laughs at everything. Okay. <laughs> he tells me he wants to kill me. I right, well throw you what throw you into traffic, throw you onto a house. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, he we're, wants we're, to. We're, we're working on that. <laughs> he, he genuinely wants to murder me, Dave. He's he, 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 uh, yeah, he's into like uh, injuries. <laughs> Did you give him the finger wave? Um, I think so. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Good, Watch out for that Jello shot, hernia, David. That weak stuff out. Gave it, gave him that a couple times. But the Jello shot is more of like a shoulder. Yeah, you can tear your tear your in, rotator right? cuff. <laughs> yeah, you, you hurt your tongue. You, you, you don't want to like gotta, shoot them back too fast. You could you do some real damage. There's jaw issues if you're like like trying to get it out. <laughs> heartburn, heartburn. 
Uh, yeah, Art Burns for the week. <laughs> All right, let's timestamp that one more time as we wrap up the football portion of the show. That was brought to you by Turtles Brew, zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten free, six uh, percent ABV. I am gonna uh, I'm gonna get this up here, Dave. Uh, because they are no, they are no longer in the uh, the jugs, the the milk cartons. If you're looking for Turtles Brew, this is what they look like now. Those are fancy. Uh, they as, might be a as, little too. As we fancy. like to call it in the biz, that's a, called a brand refresh. That's a brand refresh in the new bottles. Um, so that's what you're looking for turtlesbrew.com will show you where to get it uh wolfie says it's sitting in his fridge right now wolfie do you do you go straight up with the six percent abv or do you uh kick it up a notch i'm always curious to see what what like how people handle how, that how people uh like their turtles brew yeah i mean you had it just straight up turtles brew right and you enjoy yeah it. i don't really like whiskey so i wouldn't be adding probably whiskey to it but um but you, i'm sure there, so you go up up a notch it up a notch yeah i feel like what's your what's your uh what's your up a notch of choice Wolfie? <laughs> i'm working on new riff like i'm trying like maybe new riff wants to sponsor the podcast that'd be cool like, if we, we can give you one of these every show. I'll just have it right here. Boom. Yeah. New riff. Award-winning. Award-winning new riff in uh, Newport, Kentucky. I actually, did, I actually did a... Angel's Envy. All right. That's I did story. a um, distillery tour there with some buddies when they were, ma when they were making their very first... Yeah. I did match. too. I worked. At, and, they, and, we we did some stuff with Q and O two with them. At and that they point. were like, "This will be ready. This is our. This will be our first bottled in five, like in five years. Yeah. You guys taste like the corn mash or whatever." Um, they sold the the white bourbon or the white whiskey yeah. for a while. Uh, don't want to add the good bourbon. No, I get you. I get you. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah. So it's cool. Cool place. Yes. Uh, I used to work with a lady. She's not there anymore, but she used to run like their event center on the top floor. Yeah. Uh, Amy Tobin. Um, and, uh, yeah, I love that place. It's very cool. Um, Natty Rom, what's up, brother? We are, uh, we are getting to basketball right now. Oh, I'm ready. Um, been oh, doing a lot of research. So, uh, we, we opined the other night, uh, how much brought to us by anybody yeah i guess we could do home field here just so we don't have to like like accidentally squeeze it in at the end let's go ahead and and get this out of the way uh home field apparel uh is sponsoring our basketball segment today go to homefieldapparel.com they have a wonderful fantastic selection of cincinnati vintage branded Cincinnati gear. The hoodies are awesome. The joggers are awesome. The quarter zip is outstanding. I wore that last week. Uh, great t-shirts from not only UC, but you can go down a, a big time rabbit hole of awesome t-shirts uh, from all of the, the, the schools that they cover. 
Um, I, I, I love their stuff. It is the most comfortable. The two hoodies are my two favorite hoodies. Uh, the cats and then the angry bear cat. Uh, not just because they look great, but because they're the most comfortable hoodies I own. BCJ23 is the code at checkout. That will save you 15% off of your order. Support the people that support us. Homefield has uh, has long, uh, ever since the original launch of UC, when UC jumped into the top four of sales, in large part because of the Bearcat Journal community, uh, they have been uh, loyal to us and we are loyal to them. So go to homefieldapparel.com, code BCJ23, and get some of your important Christmas shopping done for your loved ones. They will greatly appreciate it. What do you think, Dave? I agree. You, you're gonna you're gonna get get some uh, some home field apparel for Will. I don't think they make stuff for kids yet. Uh, I mean, I've got stuff for Kelsey. I mean, she's like nine get years extra older. Small. You can get <laughs> like, small, extra small. I don't. I don't know. It's a nightshirt like, for the little guy. I'm not sure I'm ready to spend like $40 on a t-shirt for him when I just know there's going to be food and boogers and, <laughs> and marker. and They're not whatever. $40 for a t-shirt, Dave. Come on. It's like $26. But uh, no, I'm uh, probably going to wait a little bit on that. All right. Well, maybe maybe Uncle Chad will get him a, a home field shirt. And that way he can stop trying to kill me every time I talk yeah. to you on the phone. Mm -hmm. Chad, 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 mm -hmm. I'm going to kill you. Throw you into a Will, cult. Will, what are we doing, homie? Thinks, <laughs> and he laughs every time he says it, doesn't he? He thinks it's the funniest stuff ever. It's probably my fault for playing along. I should be like, Will, that is not nice. And I'm like, instead, how? How like, are you going to kill me, like, Will? You hurt my, hurt my feelings. <laughs> no, and then I act like I'm crying, and that he likes that even oh, more. Oh, yeah, he, he'll, he tell you, he'll tell you to cry. <laughs> cry, Chad, cry. Todd, 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 Todd. Oh, that is, you have no idea, John, what it's like talking to Dave when Will's in the car. Yeah. It's, it's either it's either Chad, 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 or Dad, 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 Dad. It's one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Crosstown Shootout. Um, we we joked uh, this week that we, we didn't know uh, about doing a Crosstown Shootout preview with Dave because we were pretty sure uh, that he was not familiar with Xavier this I year. I can't pronounce half their players' names, first off. <laughs> uh... uh... So Will can say it to Chad, uh, and it's and it's funny when I type it in this chat room, and he's going to ban my account. Yeah, that's yeah, how it works. He's four. Yeah, because he's four. Uh, <laughs> if you act four and you're not four, <laughs> I might ban you. <laughs> if you are four, I might give you the benefit of the doubt. And also, I still want to have my conversation with Dave. So if I banned Will, then I couldn't talk to Dave about things going on. Uh, uh, I can I okay. can name two I can name Desmond Claude, I can name uh, Quincy Oliveri, I can name Dalen Swain, and I think that's it. No, Jerome Hunter, on McKnight. Jerome Hunter, he's, he's still on the, on the team. I just read an article that he's like practicing. Well, he's not playing. 
Okay. He well, won't be back. Team. He won't play for them this year. The, yeah. So I could name like five guys. So in anticipation of this uh, segment tonight, Dave watched uh, Xavier play Delaware for five minutes last night. Yeah. What were your impressions? They're like, they stink. Those were my impressions. Um, <laughs> so am I wrong? So they, it's difficult because I don't think they're good, but they also, they played Purdue tight. They played Houston tight. Like they're not, they're not as bad as they looked against Oakland and Delaware. They're also, I don't think like, like as good as they looked against Houston and Purdue. I think Purdue I thought, and Houston play very similar styles in that if the game is going a certain way, they can, you can kind of stick in those games because they're not going to be like up in, I mean, Houston plays with one of the slowest tempos in the country, I believe. And then, um, like, you know what I mean? Like they're, you know, uh, what you were talking about the Houston game, just like the flow of the game itself, there were a million fouls or whatever. Especially in the second half, I think I think there were 10 straight possessions Houston was called for a foul. There were certainly moments, and I did watch a decent amount of that game. There were certainly moments in that game where it felt like they were about to um, go on a run and then things, you know, whatever, whatever happened, happened. But, um, I mean, here's my take on it. They might be good in a month. They might be good in two months. But if you lose at home to Oakland and Delaware, I can't say you're good right now. And UC is playing good right now. And, yes, this will clearly be a big test for them because they have, as you guys talked about Monday, they have not won a game in the Centos Center since Steve freaking Logan was on the team. Right. We well, got a firsthand account of the last win at Centos Center by 2001 All-Americans. So I don't Logan. even know if I'm in a in – a, frame of mind to say that they're going to win because we have 20 damn years of it not happening. <laughs> 22. So, but that being said, UC is playing, just playing better basketball. So to me, this game is about UC. This is game is not about Xavier and what they do good and what they do poorly. This is about UC. Are you playing good enough? Are you at a point where you're going to go into their gym and you know you're better? You know you're playing better. Are you going to have the energy all game? Are the guys on the bench going to be, you know, out of their minds the whole game? Like, own the moment, own the energy, own the atmosphere, and just just play much better than them, which has been a problem for 20-something years. We have had several teams that we knew were much better than them, and they walk in there, and within the first four minutes, the game's 16-4, to and it's over. Yeah. I mean, I, I I joked with Wes about this, and he kind of he didn't want to he didn't want to buy into my uh, trap. Uh, but I, I don't know how many years at the second TV timeout it's nineteen to eight or or twenty four to to, to nine. Yeah. Like yeah, like and and you're clawing out of a hole the entire game in their gym. They get a generous whistle in their gym. Some of that is is to their credit. 
because they attack you and they try to put fouls on you. Um, Every home I mean, team gets a, I mean, gets a generous whistle. Yeah, like, but I mean, but but they're that one of their styles of play right. is to draw fouls, and when they do it in their own gym, of course, like look, Dave, I'm going to tell like this is probably going to be popular. The Houston game, you know what Houston did a lot? They fucking fouled. It's what they do all the time. Yeah. They dare you. They challenge referees and basically say, you're not not going to be able to call every foul. And that referee crew said, well, that, I, I, is that challenge accepted? We are going to call every foul. Credit to Xavier because they continued attacking and they continued hanging fouls on Houston. I think this is the key to the game, Dave. Not fouling them. Taking away that portion of their offense. Which, because one, what it does is it slows the game down. And it does not let you offensively find your rhythm because every... 90 seconds in real time, every 90 seconds, you're stopping. And you're either inbounding the ball or uh, I think it was, I I think there was 14 minutes left in the second half. They were in the bonus. I think it was 11 or 12 minutes left in the second half. It was in the double bonus. So Xavier was shooting two free throws the rest of the way. So that's like, if you time a trip to the line, that's two, two and a half minutes of stoppage. Every time, by the time the, the whistle blows, the teens huddle up, guy goes to the free throw line, dicks around, shoots the free first throw, one, shoots the hot, second one. Fives. Right. Like, you're, you're dealing with, like, two and a half minutes of stoppage time. Right. That is a style of play. Cincinnati is one of the best teams in the country at not fouling. If they don't foul, I think it's going to throw off how Xavier runs offense. Although I will say, last night was a statistical anomaly. I believe they shot 50% from the floor, right around 50% from three. They did. And over 70% from the free throw line. And they just weren't better. They weren't good enough to beat Delaware. Which that's a, I think that, that statement is is very is I imagine is very hard for them to comprehend right now. Yeah, that like if you just look at now they also what turn it over like seventeen times. 20, yeah, like right around twenty times. I think Delaware had thirty points off turnovers. Well, they also k- killed them in the paint. Yeah, like that. So that's the spot. That's the spot attack. to me that you see if you see is going to win. You know they are they need to be dominant in the paint, which they have been to this point this season. And I even count Dan in in that big big because of how good he is rebounding. Like they have got, their post guys are not good. Um, no, but they so we have they, to take advantage of that. I don't think it's just post up. Like so, what Houston and Purdue did that I thought got them in trouble is a lot of the ball movement was lateral. And they actually, between McKnight and Claude and Oliveri, they are not terrible defensively one, two, three, and swing. Like I, and 
everybody, I'm, I've loved Dalen Swain since he was a sophomore in high school. I, I think he is going to be a star there. Well, hopefully I hate he gets that. big boyed on Saturday because he's like still like 17, 16 years old or whatever. He's 17, but look, the kid is going to be really good, and he's had a really good start to his career. But what teams have done is they've attacked him from every position going to the rim, just downhill. Houston didn't do it. Houston moved the ball side to side and counted on. What does Houston always count on, Dave? It's it's Bob Huggins. We're going to throw it up, and we're going to go get it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't go get it. Like, the ball bounced Xavier's way that game. Xavier was really good rebounding the basketball. They out-rebounded Houston offensively and defensively, which happens to Houston, like, Never. once a century at this point. Um, But I thought a lot of that was because they didn't they didn't attack from every spot. I, I, like it, I would be pretty stunned if, if Day-Day and Jizzle aren't in their typical just attack go, mode. Go. Well, like, yeah. with Houston, I didn't understand. Like, they barely threw the ball to Jawan Roberts. Like, coming off of that Oakland game where the, the small – or the power forward from Oakland just torched them time and time and time again. Um, like, why didn't you follow that game plan? Juwan Roberts is he's been playing college basketball since like 2012. Throw him the ball and let him go get work done. But instead, what you can't do against this Xavier team is let their three perimeter guys be able to guard you. Because those guys can. Like they can guard you one through three. They can't guard four and five. And it's like, and that means. If you beat your guy, if you come off a ball screen and you go downhill, they're not they're not looking to block your shot. They're not looking to be tough. They're not looking. They quit against Oakland or uh, uh, Delaware in that final five minutes. They quit. Like they, they had no fight in them, and that place sounded. I was driving to the hospital with Kelsey at that point in time, and I actually wondered: Are Byron Larkin and Joe Sunderman in the arena? Did they did they leave them at home? To call this game because you could hear a pin drop. Well, if it was the last couple of years, they would have been at home. They still, I don't think they're, I still don't think they're sending them on the road. No, they are. Oh, they are? They are. Yeah. Okay. They went back to it finally. I, last I think year they, they were, I think they did they last were, year. No, last year they were still. Cause I, I yeah. asked someone and they, and they said that they are. Maybe, okay. Maybe they changed it at the end of the year, but for a portion of last year, I yeah. was listening to games where they were. Mm-hmm. Watching on a monitor back at the Centos Center, uh, while while Xavier was at Villanova or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I, just if just, you're aggressive, just be the if, better damn team because everybody knows that we are right now. And so that doesn't, what I, what and I, that doesn't mean that they're going to win because no, I mean, like I said, the game's essentially a pickup. We haven't won there in how many damn years? So twenty-two, and, and uh, every time Xavier was not the better team. <laughs> so right. Um, oh, Xavier fans right now are happy as a pig in shit in terms of like this is when they win <laughs> at, at times, right? Like, I mean, this is I one of their strong suits. They're a wounded animal. Cincinnati I don't know. The, the difference is team. the difference is this time. How many of the guys on this team for them have played in this game before? One. They have one guy that's played in this game. 
UC doesn't have very many more, but they have Vic, John Newman, Odie. Skillings, Odie. At least there's there's guys that are going to be on even, the board. Even at the times when back in the the day when yes, UC was the the better team going in or whatever, they still had a roster full of dudes that had played in the game. Yeah. They knew what the game was about. Like they good luck explaining to, to the Eastern Bloc, uh, you know, their whole Eastern <laughs> Bloc front line, what 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 this is what this is all about. So so your take essentially is UC needs to do what they do and they can win this game. Yes. Play, this game. play play your game, you know. Everybody do what they've done at their best moments of the season. You don't have to – this isn't a, well, God, if this guy's going to have to do this, and this guy's going to have to do that. And, no, just understand, you know, as best – the new guys obviously will not, but, you know, understand the best you can what the environment is going to be like. And that environment could turn real quick if they match – you know, if they come out and play the way they're capable of playing. Like, it's this is all about UC. This isn't to me, this has nothing to do with X because they're just they're not playing well right now. Like they can say that you know this is the perfect time or whatever, but like you there's nothing you there's nothing that they are showing right now to say that all of a sudden those things are going those things that are plaguing them are going to change because I'm not sure there are things that are like, well, we're just shooting bad right now. Like it's, it's a, it's a current makeup of the team. And I think Sean Miller even kind of mentioned it last night after the game. I mean, what did he say? We're kind of like lost right now or we're, we're leaderless right now. Yeah, the leaderless. Like we're playing without a leader. Well, I don't think that's going to change in in seventy two hours. Is it? Like not. I don't know. Like you know. But again, like it's it's a huge rivalry game, so you know, crazy stuff can and and often does happen. But to me, this is just about UC seizing. You know being very cliche and saying seizing the moment and and playing like a team that is is playing well and has the confidence to go in there and win. Yeah. I mean, if you look at them right now, they they essentially have two guys that are playing really well uh, or playing well. I don't know about really well, but playing well. Desmond Claude, who is their best, he's their most talented player. Um. He's in year two, and I, and I think they skipped a step with him because I don't think he's nece- necessarily ready to be an alpha. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he had a good freshman year. I, I think he he's, he's a guy that is probably going to, like, have an NBA f- future. Excuse me, hiccups. Um, because of his size and – and his length and his, uh, his ability to, to, you know, kind of versatile in offense. But right now he's shooting 25% from three. 
and he's turning it over quite a bit. He's scoring 16 points a game, but a lot of it is volume. He's shooting 45% from the floor. He's only shooting 25% from three. Um, and, you know, he's only got 30 assists in nine games for a guy that's got the ball in his hands a lot. Um, he's also turned it over 20 times. So, you know, he's he's just not, I don't think at this point, advanced enough to be like, we need you to lead a team of you and 10 new guys. Right. You know, it, it, it's, I don't think it's fair to him realistically. Yeah. But that's what they need from him because he's their only returner. Quincy Oliveri uh, started slow. He has been really good of late for them. Um, that I think, you know, if you shut him down, I wonder where, like, where does their scoring come from in this game? Yeah, um, they're him and Claude are both averaging 16.1 points a game. They're averaging 75 points a game. 32.2 of those points are coming from those two guys. Mm. If you take, I mean, Dave, aren't we essentially talking about Cincinnati last year with Dave some, and Landis? Yes, to some, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take one of those two out of the mix, I I don't know where their scoring comes from. You know, you, right. you have – go ahead. No, I'm just – you know, and, and all of that just kind of comes back to the, like, they've – UC has been, a, I think the numbers still bear out, but, like, a very good three-point defensive team. Yes. Um, and I don't think Xavier is a great three-point shooting team. They – UC has been a very good defensive rebounding team. They don't – typically foul very much. They don't turn the ball over very much. They've been more than two to one, sometimes three to one assist to turnovers. So just do all like, dude, just play your game. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Find the guys you need to find. Like Xavier's winning or has a great chance to win. If Quincy Oliveri does what he did last night. But if he, but if you can keep him, but they somewhat, couldn't beat Delaware when he right, scored thirty four. That's my point. If you can keep him somewhat in check, who are the who is this other out of nowhere person that's going to take up that slack? I mean, it's it's him and and Claude, and you know, uh, let's let's go down the rest. Uh, Geddes Nemesca, eight point three points per game. I think I had that summer sophomore year. Geddes Nemesca. Yeah, I got some antibiotics for it. <laughs> Davion McKnight is shooting 41% from the floor, 15% from three, 66% from the free throw line, averaging 7.8 points per game. Abu Usman uh, fouls more than – never mind. Um, <laughs> he's averaging 7.8 points per game. Uh Trey Green, 6.4 points. Dalen Swain, 6.3. Sasha Siani, 4.0. Lazar Djokovic, 3.8. And that's pretty much their rotation. Like, they have two players in double figures. 
and a bunch of uh, just they're jags dave they're jags they're just guys yeah. just average guys I mean, you know if you if you're just looking at at Kempom numbers uc is now a top 30 team in both offense and defense 33rd offense 30th as we all defense. predicted at the beginning of the year yeah Xavier's <laughs> dropped to seven they're still a good defensive team at 36 but their offense has taken a hit they're down to I, seven, but, 76th offensively in in Kempom. i will also say i think their defense their defensive numbers have been boosted by that saint mary's game saint mary's is terrible yeah they're bad. They're really bad. Like I think right. they would be below fifty if you if you take out. And we're still in the under ten game sample size. Yes. Sure. But again, you're muted. Whatever you did, you're muted. Pickle, pickle must have got you. She got you again. I had something. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> um. But. I think also like it's it, a lot of it is also what we talked about. Purdue, Houston, St. Mary tried to beat them with their guards. And I just don't think that's like, I don't think that's how you beat them. I think there are three guys at the top of the roster can defend, but I don't think they can defend the rim. And I think if you play downhill, you get them in big trouble. And, and I just, I don't, <clears throat> I'm not saying not to shoot a bunch of threes. I'm saying not to settle for threes. Right. Like you have to get your shoulders square, get downhill. And that's when that Xavier defense breaks down. If you allow them to kind of stay set and stay stationary, I guess is, is the best word that I'm looking for where their guards stay in front of you and, and, and stay in front of your wings. They do have a decent defense. But the minute you get to the paint, they fold like a cheap suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the game Day-Day and Jizzle should eat. Hypothetically, like, yes. Uh, but two point guards that have never played in an environment like this, guess what? They weren't great against Howard, Wolfie. Like, that gives me a little bit of pause with those two. Wouldn't you agree, Dave? Yeah, you just have to see, you know, how how they handle the situation. How much do they learn from that game? How much, you know, I think Jizzle's taking steps. Yes. Every, I, every think he's, I don't think he's taking steps, Dave. I think he's taking strides. Yeah, but I mean, just like game over game. You're seeing right. improvement. Um, That's what I'm saying. He's not taking steps. He's taking, like, strides. Uh, Jizzle was pretty good against Howard. Jizzle was pretty good at Howard in the final five minutes. For like five, he was yeah. not good the other thirty. Like what you know, when he played in the other thirty-five minutes, he struggled. Both of them. That was going to be like until Jizzle had that spurt at the end that kind of helped save the game. My takeaway from that game was going was going to be the point guards had their first hiccup. Yeah. And it hasn't been point guards that have been torturing Xavier. It's been threes and fours and fives that have been torturing them. That's why I'm kind of, I'm looking at Dan. Dan, yeah. As like, like, well, 
be that I difference think maker from an athletic standpoint, from a rebounding standpoint, that 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 gets them in a lot of trouble. Here's something I think we're forgetting about, Dave, that we have not talked about much. What's that? And we don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in. But Simas Lukosius has tortured Xavier. Yeah. Like, big games. Not kind of big games. Big games. Uh, Newman, I think, is another one that can that can really cause them problems. Like, I would look. I know they like their two-big lineup. I, I know it's something that they want to play a lot. I would look at playing Newman and Seamoss as much at the four as, as possible. Because I just don't think they can defend it. I don't think they have the guys yeah, to I defend just, it. I think just whether it's Newman, Skilling, Jizzle, Day-Day, like just be less. I don't I think it's less so him, but relentless. I don't, I don't because I think he can mode. play. I, I think one of the things that hurts them is ball screens. I think you put CMOS and Vic or CMOS and Aziz in ball screens against their defense. Yeah. I'm just saying I the think, guys, the guys that have that ability, like just relentlessly try to get to the paint. Yeah, just, I agree. Just, you know, maybe you get a charge or two, like, but that's that's part of the deal. Like, we're not seeing a lot of charges anymore. Like, guys can't just mean. jump in front of a guy and grab their nuts and fall down. Like, just catch it on the wing and first step, get in the middle. Yeah. Make, and that's kind of what I'm getting. Make their at. big guys move. Make, you know, don't just don't just pass it around looking to hit a pick and pop necessarily. Like, get their guys out of position. Get in the middle. Use your whether it's Vic's size, Aziz's size and athletic ability. Like, use that to your advantage. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. If they lose this one, it's going to be tough to swallow. Yeah. But do I think I mean, it's a referendum on anything? No. 20 minutes ago, but... I said they stink. <laughs> <laughs> they don't stink. It's not good. I don't how's know. That, I said that for being diplomatic. If if you if you lost at home to Delaware and Oakland, the only thing yeah, I can infer is that you kind of stink. Here's what's crazy to me. Right now, you might be good in February. Right, right now, here's what. Here's what's crazy to me, Dave. You had lost at home to Oakland. You had lost at home to Houston. How were they not desperately hungry to beat Delaware? That did not look like a team last night that was desperate like, for anything other than that, to to go home. And that's the thing. If you got that dog in you. Like you come out and you're like, we are blowing these MFers out of this gym. Right. Like we are taking all of our frustrations over losses to good teams and losses to bad teams and all the crap we've gone through in practice. Like screw the shootout. Like these dudes are getting blown out. Right. We are getting right before the shootout. We are beating these dudes ass. That is, a, that is a mentality. That speaks yeah. to Sean Miller saying we are leaderless. 
No, it was Quincy Oliveri. It was one of the oh, players. It was. I thought it was. Yeah. I just saw a post game. I, I no, assumed it was, it was Oliveri. It was one of the players. Oh, well, that, that said we're leaderless. That's worse than Sean Miller saying it, I think. Yeah. Because look at, looking at you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, and, you know, here's, here's the other thing that I think is really tough, Dave. When you bring Europeans over, no matter how good they are, they are used to a brand of basketball that is very different than American basketball. Yeah, it's much it, more free-flowing. And physical. Like, I don't even know if free-flowing. Like, European basketball is pretty free-flowing. Like, it's a very skilled right. game. It is not the type of game that you see uh, when you when you play in the Big East. Or, you know, or when you play uh, Houston, right? Or, I mean, Zach or Purdue, and they're nine, seven, four white guys. We saw it with uh, Vic. It took Vic a while to understand, and he, I, I still don't think he's fully comfortable with like the physicality of the American game. I, I think it's just something you have to grow and learn. Which means it's what you're saying. Like in two months, the light might go off for some of these guys where they're tired of getting beat up every night and, and they respond. Maybe it happens Saturday. I don't, hell, I don't know. But what we've seen from them through their first you know month of the season is that they're not a physical team. They're they're not they you know they they want to do that with Usman. But he fouls every 25 seconds. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just play well and win the game. Win the damn game, Dave. Win yeah, the I damn game. I don't give a shit how. Because <laughs> like you're you're in you are setting yourself up because again, it's very, very early. I mean, we we have a whole big 12 slate where the Big 12 is an absolutely hilarious conference outside of Texas, just absolutely getting destroyed by Marquette tonight. They're down 30. That one, 81 to 49. Um, huh? But, like, you have two teams, West Virginia and Oklahoma State, have four losses. Nobody else has more than two. And there's still six teams that are undefeated. So, like, there's a insane amount of basketball to be played. But, like, there are there are 14 undefeated teams in America. Out of 350 whatever schools, six of them are in the Big 12. Yeah. So there's a lot to be played, but like, and things can happen. But like, UC is absolutely putting themselves in a position to be a tournament team. And regardless of what Xavier's record is currently, we know good and well that they're going to get some nice Big East wins especially at Cintas. So just win the game. Like, I don't care if it's by one or 30. Will it be more fun if it's by 30? Sure. But just figure out a way to win the game because it will benefit you in the long run. And you are it's just another chip that you're stacking on a tournament resume that I think they're going to be right in the middle of 
come two months from now. But if you lose this game, you have one more. You're on mute, by the way. You have one more, you know, semi decent opportunity with Dayton being pretty, you know, a pretty solid team that like you just put yourself in this weird position again that it's like if you were to happen to lose that game, you, you're whatever and two in non conference. But the two teams that most people would say are tournament D fringe, you, you lost to. So now you're just putting an unbelievable amount of stress on yourself in Big 12 play. Like, just go win the game, man. You're better. You're playing better. Like, Well, here's the other reality, Dave. If you can't win at Xavier against this Xavier team. Yeah, well, you're going to go win at Baylor? You're going to go win at Fog? You're going to go win at Kansas State? Like, I don't even know if we right. play all those teams on the road. I know, obviously, but, I know. Yes. The right. point like, remains. Yes. How many road wins are you going to get in the Big Right. There's a lot on the line. Yeah. There's a lot on the line. Which is good. Yeah. Because in recent years, you know, we've wanted to win the game, but we kind of also knew what kind of team we had, so there wasn't as, you know, as much <laughs> right. on the line, so to speak. Right. Like, if this is going to be a tournament team, you got to go win this game. Absolutely. Like a, a, the must win thing. Is it a must win? Uh, it's kind of I'm a not, don't lose. I'm right? not going to say like it's it, a must win because you have however many 20 something other games. And if yeah. you were to win at Baylor or at Kansas and lose this game, no, no one's going to think twice about it, but right. But you're, you're better. You're playing better. Like, and also, if you're gonna win this city back over, like if you're gonna you're gonna plant your flag and say Cincinnati basketball is back, go beat X. They're yeah. not good. They're not good. I, I don't think they're bad, but they're not. They're clearly not good. They're four and five, and they've lost it. Washington is Washington has talent, but Washington's not good. Like, I, I know Xavier fans want to hang their hat on. Uh, Purdue didn't blow us out, and we we hung tight with Houston at home. You lost to Washington, who's average at best and, and probably below average. And you lost at home to Oakland, and you lost to Delaware. You, you're not good. You're not good. Go win the game. Wait, Go win the game Saturday night. Washington is 5-3. and three. Their wins are Bellarmine, North, Northern Kentucky, Xavier, UC San Diego, and Montana State. Right. It's like they're not yep. good. No. <laughs> no. Who are their losses? Uh, I've already left the page, but Nevada, San Diego State, and I think Colorado State. That's it's not like they're losing to, you know, USC. Uh, like, come on, that that's not a good Washington team. They've lost to three bad teams. They've lost to two really good teams, and and that gets back to like the whole Xavier's more battle tested. They've lost three bad games. They they've lost the only sure 
the 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 two games they were supposed to lose were probably closer than expected. They still lost those games, and they've also lost to three below average to bad teams. Delaware was on a three game losing streak coming into that game last night. Dave, yeah. go win the game. Exactly. Go into Centos Center. Prove, prove for Aaron's sake. Prove that the uh, the win in the uh, TBT was meaningful. <laughs> that it was that it changed the vibe. It changed the direction. It changed the luck. Go prove that, and walk out of there Saturday night at eight thirty with a win. Yes, Colorado sir. State, the surprise of the season. No. Surprise of the season is BYU, and it's not close. <clears throat> BYU's number one in net. Where I think they were picked 13th in the conference. They're number one in the country in net. Colorado State is ranked. So that's I that, know, but BYU is the surprise right. of the season. Yeah. Without question. Colorado State is another great story. Uh BYU, nobody saw that coming. Not a damn person. So yeah, it's um, there's these are the type of games you don't have to really say a whole whole lot. Like just go out there and play the play your game, and nobody has to do anything miraculous. You don't need any. You know, nobody has to have a the so-and-so game where, you know, we don't need a Jake Browning performance where out of nowhere he throws five, you know, two actual incompletions on 37 attempts. Just all the stuff you've worked on, all the stuff you've put out there, shown you can do, that'll be good. You know, you do that, you're going to win. So... Yeah. Sorry, I Kelsey doesn't feel well, so she let the puppy down while we were uh <laughs> broadcasting and the puppy again destroyed another couch cover uh because nobody was paying attention to her. And now I have to spend more money than I want to on a new couch cover. It sounds like a... So if I seem a little agitated, sounds like a puppy problem. Well, I mean, the, the the general, when she's not, when she doesn't have the flu, that you keep the dog up in your room while I'm alive because I can't watch her when I'm live. It's not the puppy's fault. Like, the puppy, you know, she wants oh, attention. It's, fault. it's your fault for getting the puppy. Yeah, I needed that puppy. <laughs> I needed that puppy. So, you got anything else? What's your uh... prediction? I'm not giving a prediction. I want your damn prediction, Dave. Hmm. Um, we we win. <laughs> That's okay. my prediction. That's all I need. Cincinnati. I don't even like saying it because you don't you don't deep in your heart. We're just it's been 22 years. I gotta I got I gotta show me. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they should win. Yeah. Uh, I think they are superior. They have superior talent. They have way more 
age and uh I mean we have to prove we have the better Miller. Right. Right. Bearcats win comfortably. John White believes that they they dial it back to 2001 <laughs> uh with Steve Logan hitting a layup to put him up by 22 or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh in that game. If they play well, John, it's it's definitely possible that they control this game. But I just want to be look, Dave. I want it to be 17 to 14 at the second media timeout. As long as it's not 19 to 6. Yeah. 17 to 14, I can live with. You can come back from 17 to 14. <laughs> 19 to 6. It's a little harder. Just scratching and clawing the entire way. <laughs> 86-65, Marquette dumps Texas. Wow. If we play like they did against uh, Georgia Tech, yeah, I'm all for that. Hey, look, if they put a 30-2 to two run on X in the Crosstown shootout, <laughs> let's go. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Brendan Soresby, it's Bearcat. You got a lot of your uh, your firepower at the core of your roster. That has announced their return, and the Crosstown Shootout is coming up on Saturday. So, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We appreciate you. That's the BCJ podcast, brought to you by the right here on BearcatJournal.com.